With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show presented by Sling. And we got something very special for you today. I am moonlighting in another one of the Athletics podcast feeds. So we have the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed. That's where you go to get all the greatest college football talk in the whole wide world. But we also have the Athletic Football Show, which covers the NFL. You've heard Robert Mays. You've heard Nate Tice. It's a fantastic feed. If you're an NFL fan, well, you should already be subscribing. But if you're not, hopefully I'm going to give you a reason to. I've got a show with Dane Brugler, who is our draft expert at The Athletic. You've heard him on my show. You've read all his stories. You've gotten The Beast, which is the book he writes basically every single year that we give you as a subscriber to The Athletic as part of your subscription. We are going to have so much fun this season on Prospects to Pros. That is the name of the show that Dane and I will be hosting each week on The Athletic Football Show feed. But we want to give you a taste of this because This is going to be a show that examines the NFL draft, the guys who just got drafted and the folks in college who will be in next year's draft. And we're going to talk about it in terms of how they're doing, what games we're most excited to watch in college football because it matches draft prospect against draft prospect. And we're going to focus on who's rising, who's falling, and who is flashing, to use a draft term. It's not the thing with a trench coat. It's it's when you, you're good on the football field. So let's not worry about that. But we're going to give you a little taste of this. The first full episode of Prospects of Pros, you can hear it right now, right here in the Andy Staples Show in Friends feed. Starting next week, it will appear only in the Athletic Football Show feed. So if you like what you hear, go subscribe to the Athletic Football Show feed, and you're going to get to hear it every single week. I know I am going to have a blast doing this. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Here is myself and Dane Brugler on Prospects to Pros. Let's get started, Dane, with some guys who are rookies in the NFL right now who had really, really nice debuts. And I will start at number one because there was a lot of discussion about which edge rusher should go number one. And it, it could have been Aiden Hutchinson. He ends up going to the Lions at number two. The Jaguars, Trent Baalke, decided to take Trevon Walker. Game one against, uh, against the Commanders, the, the Jags did not win. But I imagine Trent Baalke feeling pretty good about that pick. Oh, how could you not? Uh, he had a big sack. He had that interception. Um, it, it, and... He's still learning. He's still getting better. There's no doubt about that part. Because when you draft a guy like this, it's mostly based on the traits. It's the fact that uh, for a guy that's 6'5", 275, uh, but can still run in the low 4.5s, but still has a 6'8", 9'3 cone, uh, this guy is just a physical marvel. 
And I think a lot of people, you know, thought, oh, after the combine, that's what boosted him up. Anybody that follows, you know, me or work here at The Athletic, we were talking about Trevon Walker as being a top 10 prospect uh, back in October, November last year. Uh, even though he didn't rack up the production as part of that Georgia defense where, you know, they, they're subbing guys in and out. He's asked to uh, play on that that odd front they have there uh, for Kirby Smart's defense where he's taking on blocks. He's not asked to just get after the quarterback. Uh, but when you isolate the traits, this guy is a total freak. And we saw that he needed every bit of those 35 and a half inch arms to snag that interception on, it was like a delayed screen. Uh, but this guy is freaky and just a, a great day. He had a great debut in the preseason and he continued that here uh, in the opener. So it's going to be fun to watch his maturation as he continues to play more football. And he said it after the game. He's like, I was the number one overall pick. I need to live up to that. And yeah, so far so good. I love that. And, and here's the thing. You have to understand with his production at Georgia, he was working within their scheme. And also, right. he might not have been the best player on their D-line. Now, Jordan Davis is so impactful for what they do. And obviously, you're seeing what he's doing in Philadelphia. But also, Jalen Carter is a guy that we're going to talk about a ton on this show who's probably going to be a top five pick next year. Now, we we, I, we can't say, oh, this guy's going to be one or two because... We don't know where the quarterbacks are going to fall. But Jalen Carter is special. And so mm -hmm. they had to kind of share duties on that, that line. They, play, they can play different roles, but both of them can play multiple roles. And so uh, Trevon Walker didn't have to do everything. He's, be, he's probably being asked to do more for the Jags than he was for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and that was the secret to Georgia's success last year. Obviously, the talent, just ridiculous. But it's the depth. They could sub in guys all the time and play with a rotation and keep guys fresh. I mean, Jordan Davis, as dominant as he was, averaged, like, what, 24, 25 snaps a game for Georgia? Because yeah. they didn't need him to play every game. And Trevon Walker, or every play. Uh, and it's the same thing with the linebackers. Same thing with the defensive linemen. So that, that was a big part of Georgia's success that eventually led them to the national title. So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. How would he respond with more... Playing time, well, I, I mean, I think when you look at the ability, that's why they, they're the, the scouting motto is traits over production. And that's what the Jaguars are betting on, those traits. And uh, I think Trevon Walker, so far, is making them look smart. So I, I swear this wasn't the only game they watched, but I wanted to throw this guy in here. He's not actually a rookie, but he kind of is a rookie. And that's Travis Etienne. He was the second first-round yeah. pick last year for the Jags. Uh, and, and a lot of questions about why, why are you going running back? Why aren't you going offensive line? Why aren't you going tight? Why aren't you getting more of a position of need when you already have James Robinson? But ETN, Trent Baalke, and, and the coach at the time, Urban Meyer, said, oh, well, this is an explosive guy. He can help in the, in the run game, in the pass game. He was injured all of last year. He got hurt in the preseason. I kind of have a feeling you saw the other day what, what they might have meant when they picked him. Right. And we have to remember that ETN was the consolation prize. They wanted Kadarius Tony. Uh, and then he was drafted yeah, right before the Jags. It, the the Giants took him. And so they went with ETN. I mean, bottom line, they wanted an explosive threat. They wanted Urban Meyer wanted his Percy Harvin. You know, he wanted a guy that yeah. could uh, strike fear in the heart of defenses, no matter where you lined them up. And ETN, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that last year. 
but it'll be interesting with this Doug Peterson offense, how they use him uh, both as a pass catcher, as a runner. What's the, the, the timeshare in the backfield with James Robinson? So, yeah, I, I, there were a couple of these guys. ETN, I thought, you know, J.C. Horn with the Panthers. He mm-hmm. missed all of last yep. year. So, you know, watching that game on Sunday was kind of like, okay, this this guy's basically a rookie. And it showed at time. What was the knock on J.C. Horn in college was, He's too physical. He's too aggressive. He's holding too much. He had a couple couple holding calls against the Browns. And so it's, it's going to be a little bit of a learning period for him as well. So, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good point to bring up ETN because there's a couple of these guys that either missed all of or most of their rookie year, and they're still really first-year players. So, again, I swear this isn't the only game we watched, but I do want to point out another first-rounder who played in this game. Jahan Dotson catches oh. three balls, two TDs. Now, he joins a, a pretty deep... Washington receiving core. They, they've already got Terry McLaurin. Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel finally getting to show what he can do. And obviously, Ron Rivera knew what, what Curtis Samuel could do. But Jahan Dotson looks like a, a great addition. And you didn't... I mean, you already had what you what you like there. And you add more for Carson Wentz right. to throw to? I, I think that's that's pretty helpful. Yeah, I mean, that, that one touchdown he had the goal line. I mean, he just... He cooked Shaquille Griffin. Yeah. Uh, it, a great example of Dotson's that subtle hesitation in his routes. Uh, it, it gets coverage off balance. That suddenness where he can he can create that separation. Uh, it, the reason that uh, I thought Dotson was a, a top twenty five pick, uh, he had the largest catch radius of maybe any sub five eleven receiver that I've ever scouted. Uh, I mean, really huh. really impressive. You, you add in the dynamic athleticism, the route instincts, and you got a guy that just he's difficult to cover. So especially man to man. And I think this is this is more of a philosophical question or or topic, but I think Dotson's a great example of how some of the traditional parameters when it comes to scouting we're starting to break those down a little bit because usually we don't see receivers with that body structure. You know, he mm-hmm. he's he's a shorter receiver and he's under 180 pounds. You don't see those guys go first round, let alone top 20. But you know what? We saw it with Devontae Smith uh, two years ago. We saw it with Jahan Dotson this past draft. So, you know, more and more we're seeing teams maybe, you know, break down some of what the traditional norms are in scouting and who you're going to draft first round and focus just on what, what can this guy do to help us win football games? And the, I mean, the biggest outlier is going to come and we'll talk about him in a little bit, Bryce Young in Alabama and his size and all that. But, yep. you know, it, it, it's something that Jahan Dotson's a great example of. He could just play the receiver position. And, you know, we saw that in week one. Well, here's my thing with receivers, and this is I, I this is I think the most important thing, and maybe the only th- well, can you catch also matters quite a bit, but sure. the other thing that matters is can you get separation, yeah. and there are many ways to get separation. It could be straight line speed, it could be cutting ability, it could be preciseness of your routes, and and I go back to the, so Dorian O'Daniel, who's still in the league, but he played at Clemson. He told me a story when he was back at Clemson about Hunter Renfro's first day at practice. Hunter mm-hmm. Renfro comes to Clemson. He might weigh 150 pounds at that point. He was an option quarterback in the Myrtle Beach area. Uh, kind of one of those like legendary high school players in that area, but did not have the measurables to get a Power 5 scholarship offer. So he, he had parlayed an offer from, I believe, Appalachian State into a preferred walk-on spot at Clemson. He gets to practice. He is cooking Clemson's scholarship corners on day one. 
And because everybody's like, oh, Hunter Renfro, he's a tryhard guy. No, Hunter Renfro has elite change of direction ability that came from God. And that's why he's a successful NFL receiver. And he also has yeah. a great work ethic and he's very smart and he, he does what the offense wants him to do. But some of these guys don't look like they're supposed to look, but for whatever reason, they can buy that extra half a second or or even those the, that foot and a half that you got to get between you and the corner to, to get open. That's what you got to look for. Yeah. It, you, you can you can look as perfect as possible if you look like a statue, but if you run like a statue, it doesn't help you. And that's a great example uh, because there's a lot of Hunter Renfro that says he should not be a successful pro. I mean, the small one of the smallest set of hands I, I've ever seen uh, in terms of the draft process. Um, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that say he should, and you know, he fell to what the fifth round. So uh, there were a lot of doubters around the league and. Uh, you know, credit to uh, Mike Mayock, who who made that pick, was a big believer. And, you know, it's turned out OK. So and, and, yeah. and you know, take a guy like, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry uh, coming out of Arizona yep. State, who had he tested well, had speed, had Looks production. Yeah, yeah. But he just he, he could not separate uh, on film. Mm-hmm. He, he relied on, you know, there's been a couple, you know, Laquan Treadwell or there's been a lot of these guys yep. who have production in college. Um, and it, it's. It could be tough when you talk about going from the college level to the NFL level. You're facing a lot more man coverage. Uh, you know, you have to be – timing is so important between the quarterback and receiver. So a lot of times we see receivers, it takes time uh, for these guys to, uh, you know, fully acclimate themselves to an NFL offense. But that's another reason why Jahan Dotson was a top 20 pick because, you know, he he was a senior. Uh, he's, he played a lot of football uh, and was really productive. So, yeah, that, that's it's a, and it's was, a good it's example not- – He's not getting thrown to by the greatest set of quarterbacks in the world. Sean Clifford, yeah. I don't think is a guy we're going to talk about in the draft this year. No, uh, and, and he was, you know, he got banged up sometime. Taquan Roberson would come in. Uh, you know, Will Levis, they never let him throw when he played at Penn State. That's why he's at Kentucky now, and we'll talk about him later. But it it, it is amazing to me. But while we're on the subject of Penn State, can we talk about my favorite player from Penn State's team last year? Uh, yeah. This time last year, Penn State was opening at Wisconsin, and this guy was having just a he – he's kind of a box score stuffer player. Jaquan Brisker, he's a safety. He's just all over the place. And I, I was smiling so much in the preseason because every time I turned the Bears on, he was doing something. And looks like he, he carried that right into the season opener against the 49ers. Yeah, he really did. And I mean, you you and Lance, I mean, Lance was a big fan of him too. And I mean, I liked him. Um, I mean, I had I, a solid second round grade on him. He was a top 40 pick for me too. So I I, I was a fan, especially after, uh, you know, you, you love the tape and you're like, okay, well, how's he going to test? Oh, check that box. Running four fours. Uh, the three cone was outstanding. I think it was a six, nine, one. So uh, a lot of what you're calling Brisker, it just he checks every box, and then you get him yeah. on the field, and he's just a physical football player. I mean, he had that, and, and look, it, sloppy conditions in that game against San Francisco, so that favors a guy like Brisk, Brisker, who uh, you know is gonna. He's so physical, he's very instinctive, he plays fast, plays physical, so that was gonna favor him. But I mean, there's a reason he's out there as a starter, and you know, as Ryan Poles taken over as GM of the Bears. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of clamoring for we need a receiver in the second round. We need we need offensive line. We need this. And yeah, they could have used those guys, but it was important for Poles to set the culture, get guys that were you know he wanted to build around. And Brisker, he, he was a big part of that. Well, I, I I just love that. And Brisker's one of those guys that 
if if you were in youth football, this kid would play. He'd play every position. Like right, you, you would right. put wherever you needed him that game, you'd put him. I, I love players like that. Uh, Derwin James was like that. Derwin James, there's there's a story that that his high school coach told me, where Derwin comes to him because he'd watched film of the team they were going to play, and he goes, "Coach, the center sucks. Play me at nose." <laughs> and the coach is like. I'm not playing you at nose. I'm not going to get my best player beat up on the line of scrimmage. And Darwin's like, no, no, no. Play me at nose. I will dominate this game. And so they started him at nose and he destroyed the other team. It just yeah, destroyed them. And, and we're still, he's still, I mean, he's a, he's blitzing for the Chargers on Sunday. I mean, that's a, he can do everything. Exactly. That's it. It's safeties that can do everything. They I, I have a soft spot in every uh, heart of, of defensive coordinators around the league. No doubt. Yeah, that's what, and that's what I love about Brisker. But I, I, I'm just, I'm very excited to see him kind of show up and and do the same things. Because a lot of times I, I get frustrated because I, I think I assume when a guy plays at a high level in college and plays against good competition and shows out, well, that's a pretty telling thing. And then sometimes I'll see these guys get to the NFL and they just aren't equipped. Mm-hmm. Physically, it's different. And so it's really nice when when you see it work the way it's supposed to. Yeah, especially Brisker, who's not even a big guy. He's right around 200 pounds, but he plays so much bigger because of that aggressiveness, that physicality. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of teams that, oh, 200-pound safety? No, don't want them. I, I need more size. I need more durability. But Brisker's a guy that uh, it doesn't matter that he's 200 pounds because he overcomes it in so many other ways. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's a guy that was found late in the draft. And, and this is interesting because this is, this is a team that is going to have to be able to find some of these guys because they are paying their franchise quarterback as he should be paid. They will not necessarily have tons of salary cap room every year to sign people they need. You, you saw them trade away a star this offseason because the, you're just going to have a crunch. So you got to find guys late in the draft who can contribute. Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers, seventh round pick of the Chiefs, balling out in game one. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's it, this is why you don't scout the decal. You don't scout the program. You scout the player. I mean, uh, Pacheco had like 650 rushing yards last year. Like the, the production wasn't great. Uh, but you know what? He ran well at the combine. I think that opened a lot of eyes and sent people back to the tape. And he was in the mix to be drafted. The Chiefs take him. 
And we saw why. Throughout the preseason, we saw it in the opener. It was 5.2 yards per rush. He's got those typewriter feet where, you know, he runs with violence. He's chopping. And then the speed where as soon as the opening is there, he's going to hit it. Uh, And he's bigger. He's about 215 pounds, 220 pounds. Uh, You want to see a little more more patience to his runs. But what an opportunity he has in that offense. Uh, and, And not to take anything away from him, but... Honestly, that's what matters when you're a day three running back. Uh, the differences, I think, are, are 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 not huge from from running back to running back. You're just hoping to land in the right spot where you're going to get a yeah. chance. And, and good for uh, Pacheco to to really seize this opportunity. Well, they, and they spent money on the offensive line after they lost to the Bucks. So now, I mean, they they were right. banged up that game, but it, it became clear that they needed to upgrade the offensive line. They did that before the 2021 season. So that's a good place for a back to land. That you have maybe the best quarterback in the game and a, a, an upgraded offensive line. So it, it is a good place. Let's let's talk about another guy who is not obviously high in the draft because he's a kicker, but hmm. Cade York just continuing to kick game-winning field goals. And uh, the Cade York-Evan McPherson battle uh, is going to be fun to see in, in that division because yeah. again, I saw a game involving it. the two of them in the, college. The, the cleat-throwing game? Uh, the yes. Sh- Who throws yeah. a shoe? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. That, 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 that was the first time I, I ever heard Cade York's name was when he, cause he had the game winner. It was like a 57 yarder to win the game. Yeah. So, uh, so here's the deal. I, I live in Gainesville, Florida, and there are times when there is a fog that rolls into <laughs> the area that you cannot see through. This was one of those times. This is the, the 2020 Florida LSU game. It was in December. It was late season. And because it was the, the COVID year, so they, the schedule was all mixed up. And Florida's supposed to crush LSU in that game. LSU has like 55 scholarship players that, that are playing. LSU is very much in the game. They have a game-winning field goal after Marco Wilson, yes, throws a shoe uh, and, and keeps an LSU drive alive. Cade York, I believe he's a 56-yarder. Okay. Cade York couldn't see the goalposts when he kicked the ball. He couldn't see the goalpost when he lined it up, and he and he made it anyway. So I was like, "Oh my god, this guy is going to be." And and what's interesting is Evan McPherson had missed a long field goal earlier, and that was very uncharacteristic of him. Mm-hmm. And now you've seen him become a star in the NFL. So that the AFC North, there will be some fun, fun kicks. Well, that's it, and it's not just those two. You, I mean. Forget quarterbacks, forget hard-nosed defenses. The AFC North is going to be known for the kickers. I mean, Justin Tucker, Hall of Famer. Uh, Evan McPherson, yeah, Evan McPherson, I mean, he's quickly establishing himself as one of the better kickers in the league. The Steelers made Chris Boswell one of the highest-paid kickers uh, in the game with how consistent he's been, uh, especially in that Pittsburgh weather. And now you add Cade York uh, to the mix, uh, who's obviously off to a great start. Yeah, we're we're burying the lead here. Did anyone have a... More clutch performance as a rookie this in week one than Cade York with the 58 yarder to win the game. Uh, you know, it, and it shut it Baker funny. Mayfield up. Well, and that's it, look, it, that was all the noise going into the game. And it was something that you, it, he's an instant uh, cult hero in Cleveland. I can promise you that. And look, the Browns, not since Phil Dawson have they had a consistent kicker. They, they have been overlooking the position for the last few years. Uh, they finally use a legit resource at the position. They drafted Cade York in the fourth round. A lot of people were yeah. a little skeptical of, you know, a fourth rounder, but they obviously did not feel good about waiting until the fifth. They they wanted their guy and 
they went after him. And so far, it's uh, it's paying off for him because that's what what a clutch kick. And, and I was watching it actually with my with my uh, my seven year old, and you know we were we were talking about the kicker and. You know, earlier in the game, on a fourth down, instead of going for it, they kicked the field goal. And uh, my seven-year-old told me, he's like, it's okay. They're just, they're giving the rookie confidence. They're giving him a, a he's going to kick a uh, long one later. Bingo. I mean, he, he he was all over it. So that was good to see. Well, it, well, he's a good good scout too. Uh, I like that. I like that you, I, you're raising I need assistance. Young and raising yeah, I need assistance. So, I mean, there's there's a reason I have four kids. Put it that way. <laughs> yes. And one, one of them's going to wind up being a good scout. Uh <laughs> I just think it's funny, like Cleveland now, we have our own cold, cold hero kicker. Take that, Cincinnati. And Evan McPherson's yeah. probably like, anybody but that guy. Anybody. <laughs> right. right. Anybody right. else. Yeah. But it will no. be fun to watch those two go at it. Well, especially, so, yeah. I, yeah, I the, the, we're talking about kickers like this. <laughs> I know, I know. The, the first time the Bengals and Browns play, though, you can guarantee they'll be bringing up that, that LSU-Florida, uh, a couple of those replays from that fog game, no doubt. Well, and and so in Arizona, Marco Wilson's going to be like, please stop. Please stop talking. Don't ever bring right. that up. Don't talk about that game, please. Yeah. I don't even like tying my own shoes now. So, <laughs> Hey, it might be a good right, thing one, for him, though, because that'll be known as the game of two Pro Bowl kickers, future Pro Bowl kickers, and not the, sh- the cleat throwing game. So, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing for him. I don't think the Florida fan base is ever going to look at it that way. So. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. So one more, and this is a guy who wound up on a very up and coming team that has made some very nice moves to build around a really good young quarterback. And one of the nice moves they made to build around that young quarterback was drafting Zion Johnson from Boston College. We are talking, of course, the Los Angeles Chargers. They looked so good on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's and when you have a guy like Justin Herbert, uh, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of things look good. Um, but just a phenomenal debut for Zion Johnson. He might have been uh, the best rookie I saw over the weekend. Uh, he didn't lose in pass pro. Uh, you, you see the play strength as a run blocker. He was my top ranked guard in the draft because of that, that grip strength, uh, the quick reflexes that he plays with, just the natural muscle twitch so he can always be in position. And there's usually a a feeling out period for offensive linemen as they uh, adjust to the play speed and power of NFL linemen. But this is what, two years in a row now that the Chargers have drafted a a ready-made offensive lineman in the first round. Rashawn uh, Slater at left tackle last year had an all-pro rookie year. Now Zion Johnson, who, uh, like I said, might've had the best rookie debut that I saw this weekend. I mean, it's just, it's smart drafting by, by the Chargers. You have your your quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Now let's make sure we're protecting him, invest in that offensive line, and I think they've hit a home run uh, the last two the last two first-round drafts. All right, so we got to switch to the rookies that may or may not have had the best first game. I, I picked this guy, and I, I, I almost feel like we're picking on him a little unfairly, but this is one that I think everybody, when he got drafted, was like, okay, who? Now, you knew him. Yeah, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl knew him because he was high on him all year. But I think people were surprised when the Patriots picked him in the first round. That's Cole Strange, who started at left guard. He gives up a sack to Emmanuel Agba in their loss to the Dolphins in the first half. They pull him, and then they put him back in there in the second half. And after the game, Strange says it was a planned thing. They were trying to keep players fresh, and they actually did the same thing to Isaiah Wynn, had Yadni could just come in for a little while, and Belichick said they were trying to play a lot of guys. But I'm not sure I completely buy it 
It may have been just sort of settle the guy down. But, you know, I, I imagine Cole Strange is going to be under a microscope all season just because people feel like he was overdrafted. Right. And I mean, the Patriots, they wanted Zion Johnson. And the moment that Zion Johnson was off the board, because the Patriots were originally picking, I think, what, 21st? The moment that happened, that's when they bolted. They got out of there. They traded back because the next guy, because they wanted an offensive lineman there. They wanted that interior guy. And when Zion was gone, they went to their next choice, uh, which, which ended up being Cole Strange. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're drafted. It matters how you play. But yeah, it was, I've never heard of that. I mean, I mean, you, uh, with your offensive line experience, have you ever heard of that happen with the way they rotated in these guys? I've never heard in, of that. In, in college, they'll do it if there's a guy sure. they really like who's young and they want they'll they'll put him in, especially if they they want to cross train him. So they might put him in at right tackle for a couple series, or they might put him in a, at a guard spot for a couple series, uh, just to get him some experience. And and they'll do it in in crunch time, not in garbage time. Right. But in the NFL, I, I can't recall. Stuff like because I mean they had practiced all week in Miami to get used to the heat, mm-hmm. and and let's be real, it's hot everywhere in the summer. It's hot everywhere in training camp. So guys should be in shape, especially on the offensive line. It's not it's not like you're playing D line where you're having as a 300 pounder to turn and sprint every play. And that that changes the math on that a little bit. But but on the offensive line, yeah, you're you're blocking downfield, you're you're running after the play, but it's not the same thing. So. They, and they may, maybe they just wanted to settle him down, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's all right. But again, you're a first round draft pick, so you're expected to produce immediately, and that's that's unfortunately how the world works. Right, and, and you know he's a guy that coming from the FCS level, coming from Chattanooga. Um, I mean, you can throw on the Kentucky tape from last year, and he he looks like he belongs. He looks like an SEC lineman. Uh, you watch him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he looked like he belonged, especially playing center at the Senior Bowl, which he had mm-hmm. uh, never really done before. He was a a primarily a left guard in, in college. Yeah, that was so, the, that was the Quinn Miners thing they did the yeah. year before with with him out of Wisconsin Whitewater, yep. where they're like, we you played guard, but they want to see you at center, and and Quinn plays guard for the Broncos. So, uh, but but it shows your athleticism, your your smarts, your ability to pick things up, and right. so I I'm guessing Cole Strange is going to be fine. Yes. Judging by the way he handled that situation, and we're looking at who who scouted him, and they're usually fairly smart. Yeah, and look, the Patriots they when they draft offensive linemen, they usually draft big school players. Um, it, this was a, a a big surprise for a lot of reasons, not only because most had Cole Strange as a second or third round pick, but also this this is a program that doesn't draft a lot of small school linemen, and uh, obviously they felt like. Cole Strange, uh, he was such a diverse background. He was a defensive end in high school, 250 pounds when he arrived at Chattanooga. Uh, they developed him into this offensive lineman. So there's a lot of things with him that are, are really interesting that go into this equation. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he'll be just fine. And when we look back at the end of the year, I, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in a lot more glowing terms. Another one, another offensive lineman. Now, this guy drafted quite a bit higher than just about anybody. Iki Kwonu out of NC State. Mm. Now, it's a little tough when you get to your Just first NFL game. And it's like, hey, block Miles Garrett. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And not only Miles Garrett, but Miles Garrett's trying to get Baker Mayfield. So you know yes. there's a, a little bit extra uh, w- uh, from Miles. I mean, Miles is arguably 
the best pass rusher in the NFL. I mean, he's at least in a discussion. You want to argue TJ Watt? You want to? I mean, that's Von Miller's still in a discussion. That's oh, fine. When I saw the the box jumps with the seventy five pound dumbbells in each hand, he's, he's uh, an alien. A, he's an alien. No one does it's, that. No, it, it, he looks like an action figure. It's it's crazy. I've never. I mean, I going back to seeing him at the combine, standing next to him. I've never seen a human being like that uh it's he, really, he really looks like he was drawn by a comic book artist yeah he, he really does and and he and it's not just uh you know looks like tarzan plays like jane he plays uh like uh like a guy that's gonna get 20 sacks uh so he he was a, a little extra motivated in that game and, and yeah poor icky aquano he's gonna be a really good player he's gonna be a good left tackle in this league um but it, to have that opening assignment against uh against miles garrett and, and they the, the Panthers offense didn't do him any favors. They were in a lot of third and longs. It gave uh, Miles Garrett a chance to just pin his ears back. They tried to give Icky a little bit of help with some chips and, you know, Christian McCaffrey help him out a little bit. But uh, yeah, Garrett still got his just a, just a phenomenal player. And Iquanu, it, it'll be a little bit easier next week. So one more uh, Christian Watson receiver out of North Dakota state. Yep. He's with the Packers where they need, they need help. That receiver, they, you know, Devontae Adams is in is in Vegas now. Alan Lazard's been banged up, so he gets open. His first career target is a touchdown <laughs> if he catches it. Should have been, it. yeah. That's yeah. Okay. And, and look, that it was just a brutal way for his first target to play out in the NFL. Uh, easy touchdown, yeah. The, but th- that was part of the book with Christian Watson is. Really raw as a route runner, and his catch point skills are just inconsistent. Uh, he had he was twelve drops over his final two years in college. Um, but you know what? He was open for a reason, and that's the reason they drafted him that high. Is the speed uh, at that, especially at that size, the long striding acceleration. Um, and I think the other good news to take away from this, if you're Christian Watson, is uh, the Packers did not just give up on him. I mean, he he was out there a lot. He played a lot of snaps, yeah. ran a lot of routes. The Packers are going to force the chemistry between him and Rodgers. It, it, maybe it's not the most natural thing. And he missed some time in the preseason. That, that needs to be part of this. So maybe didn't have as many reps uh, as you would like a rookie to have. Uh, but they're going to force this chemistry to happen one way or the other. Yeah. that, And, and it will, I, I would think. Rodgers seems yeah. to be pretty good at developing that when, when a guy has the ability to get open. So I, I think they'll be all right. We'll be right back after these words. Now we got to get to the prospects, and and yeah. I was at a game that included two people that I got off the elevator in the press box at Florida, and the entire NFL is in front of me. Like I ran oh. into to Dennis Hickey, who used to be the GM of the Dolphins. He's with the Giants now in the scouting department, and uh, the polo shirts every basically every logo. And the folks at Florida told me that it was the most scouting passes that they they'd given out in a long time. A lot of people wanted to see Will Levis. A lot of people wanted to see Anthony Richardson. I think they came away going, all right, Will Levis, we're, we're, we're picking next year. Anthony Richardson, we might not see in the draft till 2024. It's going to be interesting because, I mean, how good was he against Utah? You know, talk about Anthony Richardson. I mean, it was so impressive uh, using his legs, uh, using his arm. I mean, he was doing high level stuff. I mean, he was making checks at the line of scrimmage. He was anticipating, uh, his balls were accurate. Was he, I don't know, maybe hearing some of the hype this week. Uh, it was, it was, no, really I'll tell you exactly what happened. 
Kentucky had better players than Utah. And yeah. so this, this is, I mean, and this is something that all players must deal with. And Anthony Richardson can go one of two ways from this. And, and given his response and hearing him talk about it, my guess is he's going to take it in a positive direction. Agreed. But there's a play in the first quarter. There's a third and five from the 25. They're going in. It's, they're in Kentucky territory. It's a quarterback draw. It's blocked very well, except Jacquez Jones, one of Kentucky's linebackers, has watched film and knows what this play is. And so he fights through a block from, from the left tackle and finds himself standing in the hole with Anthony Richardson. Now, for the entirety of Anthony Richardson's life, except for that start against Georgia where he was basically set up to fail last year, but for right. the entirety of his athletic life before that, if he is by himself with a defender in the hole, that defender's ankles are getting broken and Anthony Richardson is gone. Yeah, Jacquez no Jones, as soon as Anthony Richardson starts to make the move, Jacquez Jones grabs him and body slams him. And Anthony Richardson got up with a look on his face like, that's not supposed to happen. And it's going to happen when you play LSU, when you play Georgia, when you play Kentucky, the, 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 when you play Texas A&M. There are teams that are going to have just absolute freaks on the other side, and you've got to deal with that. And I think that is that is probably what the what, what the biggest thing was. And, and in, in the second quarter, there's a play where, where Wright, their outside linebacker, Sticks out his left hand. He's playing. He's basically playing edge rusher on the play, and they're reading him on a. Re it looks like a read option, but it was actually a planned throw. Uh, it looks like they're reading him. He does not crash. He stays wide. But Anthony Richardson's thinking, okay, I'm rolling. I'm moving. I can just flutter this over and get it out to the tight end. And Wright reaches up his left hand. He's six 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 two thirty. Reaches up his left hand, gets it on his fingertips, and squeezes, and the ball sticks. Yeah, that, interception. That, uh, one of the better interceptions you're going to see. I mean, that was yeah, really, really but impressive. That freaked Anthony Richardson out. Brad White, the defensive coordinator at Kentucky, told me after the game, he's like, "That rattled him." That was after that he wasn't the same guy. And so, that's what Anthony Richardson, who was only making his third college start, right. Has to has to contend with. He has to learn these things will happen. Like Christian Watson dropping the touchdown path. Like it's going to happen. You're going to have plays where some absolute freak of nature does something that you don't think is possible. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't rally and have a good game after that. And I think he's got to he's got to work through that himself. We'll we'll see him put up great numbers against USF this weekend. And then he'll have another test against Tennessee, which doesn't have the best defense in the world, but has good athletes. And so that's that's the part I want to see is, is there growth there? And here's the deal. The other quarterback in that game was Will Levis. Will Levis, when he got to Kentucky from Penn State, not entirely different than Anthony Richardson. The, you know, if you want to look at these two guys physically, they're very similar. We're talking 6'4", 230 to 240. Both of them are fast runners. Richardson's top end speed is a little bit better. But Levis can move, and they have cannon arms. Levis has figured out you do not have to throw the ball 100 miles an hour every time. Richardson has not figured that out yet. 
Right. Exactly. I mean, and it's it showed that game showed two guys that are still works in progress, but one's just further along than the other because he's a yeah, senior. He's three years older. Exactly. A fifth year senior compared to a third year sophomore. So it is something that and the on field experience is there's a big difference, obviously, like you said, third career start. Uh, he, he still has to take his lumps. You know, it, that's just that's reality of it. And you learn from your mistakes. Um, to your point, it will be interesting to see how he rebounds from this game just because it's he, he the whole week he heard how good he was. Now he's hearing how uh, terrible on, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now yeah. it's OK. So what's that? What's that going to mean for him uh, in the next game? Because that's that's a big part of playing quarterback is the intangible factor. I mean, you have to be able to roll with the punches, uh, move on, and just trust your talent. And, I mean, there's something to uh, – and this is maybe a unfair characterization for – same thing with Will Levis. Usually guys that are that big, that strong, that athletic, they're used to getting by their entire life based off of those traits mm-hmm. alone. They don't have to necessarily be the the Bryce Youngs where they hone in on the nitty gritty details of playing the position and uh, you know because they just never had to. Well, now in the SEC at high level college football, if you want to be an NFL prospect, you do have to do that, and so that's where you need to see the most the, the most growth from Anthony Richardson is uh, just from a mental perspective, uh, and it's it's something that watching him against Utah, Utah. No disrespect to them, but they couldn't get any pressure. I mean, they, they rushed four almost the entire yeah. game. Kentucky showed yeah. a lot a lot of different things that Anthony Richardson wasn't prepared for, wasn't ready for. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that, yeah, it, it should be a learning pro, a learning experience for him. And then with Will Levis, no, he didn't light the world on fire, but I thought he played pretty well. Uh, you know, he – maybe the, the number one takeaway from Will Levis was, man, how tough he is. Uh, you know, he took – Hit after hit, and he kept coming back, kept coming back, and that, that his matters. Line is, is not, yeah, his no. line is not great, and yeah. and his safety blanket last year was Wondell Robinson, who is in the league now. So right. that that's he's got a. Now he did a good job, I think, spreading it around, finding some new targets, but he's going to have to deal with the pressure all year because that line they lost. I believe they lost three pros yep. off the line last year, and and so it's it's not going to be easy. The, the blue wall, as they call it, is not what it has been the last few years. Now, I, I do want to point out a couple other guys in this game. Jordan Wright, I mentioned uh, the, the outside line. He's a six-year guy. You know, I don't know that he has necessarily the the measurables that, that will blow people's socks out. The size is good. Right. But talking to the Kentucky coaches, all he does is make huge plays for them. All he does is bring energy. Now, he was suspended for the first game. Same incident that, that has got Chris Rodriguez they're very good tailback suspended now Wright got to come back after one game Rodriguez still not back yet they're, they, they're expecting him back either this week or next week and so there's there's that but Wright seems like one of those guys that somebody some team is going to get him in a you know lower round and oh my god they're going to get somebody who's just all over the field and, and does does things right. and I will I'm going to point out one other guy because this is this is one one thing I'm going to bring to the show is we're going to talk about freshmen sometimes to guy who you need to keep an eye on the receiver this guy this no 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 okay Dion Walker number okay. zero on Kentucky's defense six six three hundred thirty pound freshman from Detroit he's a nose he's a rotation guy right now oh, he's I watched a freshman? him throw f- wow oh yeah 
I watched him throw Florida center about five feet and make a tackle in the backfield on a back. I can't wait to see what this guy becomes. Oh yeah, jeez, how'd they? Uh, how'd, wow, how would he get to Kentucky? That's that's a pretty Mark big get. Stoops knows how to yeah. recruit Big Ten country. That's that's yeah. how he got to Kentucky. Yeah, Youngstown guy. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and that's uh, uh, going back to the Kentucky defense real quick uh, with uh, some of the draftable guys. Honestly, because, you know, during the summer, I, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone with scouts and different. And when I'm going over the Kentucky roster with a scout, I, I tell you what, not a lot of these defensive guys were mentioned as, uh, you know, a lock draft pick. Um, so these right. guys have a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, getting on the radar. They're already on the radar, but saying, OK, this is why I deserve to be drafted. This is why I should be drafted. And I mean, I look at their def- my notes right now, looking at their defense. I wouldn't call any one of them. I mean, maybe J.J. Weaver, the, the pass rusher. But yeah. besides that, n- none of them are locked draft picks. But with what uh, Jordan Wright did, uh, you know, that's so- certainly going to help him. Uh, Jaquez Jones, you know, he's more of a PFA trying to get into that later mm-hmm. round mix. So with a game like like that on, on a big stage, playing a, a, a pretty good offense, that is something that they needed. And it's only going to help them, especially with you, you mentioned the all the NFL logos you saw, and, and it wasn't just scouts. I mean, area scouts are some of the hardest working oh, people. Oh, the Giants in football. GM was there. Yes, exactly. And the Giants, they sent their three like highest, you know, their assistant GM. You mentioned Hickey, um, but you know, the assistant GM for the Lions, Ray Agnew, was there. Dan Morgan, former Miami linebacker, uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, now the assistant GM in Carolina. The, the Falcons had one of their top guys there. Uh, the Seahawks had one of the top guys there. A lot of teams that need uh, or could potentially need a quarterback in next year's draft. But it's some of these other players that maybe pop off the tape that maybe they didn't really know about that. Oh, let me just write his name down. That's something that can happen in a game like this. Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, watching Utah one week and, and Kentucky the next, and then obviously seeing Florida's defense, which has some, you know, Jervon uh, Dexter is a guy who, Probably yep. is a top 100 pick on traits alone. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's playing very well this season and, and helping himself. But Kentucky's players stacked up very favorably against everybody at Florida and everybody at Utah. Yep. And so that that that's going to be interesting to see which of those guys do find their way into the draft because I think there will be a few of them. Let's move on to to Alabama and Texas. This was the game everybody was watching. We expected Alabama to destroy Texas. They absolutely did not need a field goal at the end of the game to win. This was a very bad, no good, horrible, very bad day for Will Anderson. He lined up three times in the neutral zone. And and now I, I with D lineman, I can't remember how often the officials will give you the hint. Like if you're an O lineman right. and you line up in the neutral zone, they'll usually be like, hey, and then they say your number, get back. I imagine they probably do that once where they warn you, hey, if you're Will Anderson, hey, 31, get back. Once they flagged you once, they're never going to warn you again. Yeah. So he got flagged three times in the first half for that. Even more egregious, which totally out of character for him. There was a play where a guy had been tackled, knocked down, had gotten back up, and Will Anderson hits him, and, and it's a 15-yard penalty that kept a drive alive. Like, I don't know what was going on. He, you know, after the game, he said it was one of the toughest games he played. He was struggling for a while. He was getting pressure, but not getting to the quarterback, which which may have been frustrating him. 
Yeah, and credit to Texas offensive line. A lot of young kids on that offense. A true mm-hmm. freshman, a left tackle. Um, yes. Uh, they did a nice job. They, they did a really nice job. I mean, they deserve credit. But it was one of the worst games we've seen Will Anderson uh, play. Uh, there's no there's no way around that. Uh, and the biggest thing, watch studying him over the summer, and I wrote about this in my uh, edge rusher uh, preview, was with Will Anderson, you know, coming up with a weakness. It wasn't easy. But one of the areas where I was really bothered by it was the the missed tackles. And this is a guy that had over 100 tackles last year. So the fact that he missed as many tackles He's always as he in position did, to make the tackle. Exactly. That, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, he easily could have had 120, 130 tackles last year. But he that's that's where he I wanted to see this year. Clean up those missed tackles, especially in the backfield. When you're making contact, you've got your hands around uh, the running back's ankles. You just can't get them to the ground. I counted four missed tackles in this game when I went back and watched the tape and charted it. So that it, it, it was in a, for a lot of reasons not a great game for Will Anderson. He had four or five pressures. You know, it just it's yeah. inevitable. He's a- going including to get the, his. the play Quinn Ewers got hurt. Yeah, Will Anderson he was on Quinn Ewers which, into Dallas Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Which you know, it, it, credit to Ewers for the game that he had. It's, it's a real bummer we couldn't see him finish the game. Uh, I mean. It, Texas was the better team, I think. Uh, they don't have a better Alabama talent. Alabama got a help from the refs, too. Yeah. They did. I mean, I, I've heard that a lot on Twitter. Uh, but, I mean, Alabama still got called for, what, 15 penalties? Uh, I mean, Texas, I yeah. think, at the end of the day, they blew it. They, they they had this game, and they just – there are too many opportunities, You know, whether it's a, a field goal at the goal line or – I mean, there's so many yep. things that they let there, get there away was, from them. There was one gentleman, though, who made sure Texas lost, and – yeah, you know, I I was a Will Anderson. I voted Will Anderson number one for Heisman. I I, I didn't yeah. think Bryce Young you're was smart. The, the best player on Alabama, but I will say on Saturday, Bryce Young showed why he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, I Dane, you know, it's it's so hard to project how someone will move from college to the NFL at the quarterback position because it's such a different game. It, the speed is so different, but I do feel like a guy who just looks comfortable in the fourth quarter in crunch time who looks in command that's got to be something that that feels like it translates and Bryce Young on the drive that gave them the lead where they scored a touchdown and then on the drive for the game-winning field goal I never once doubted that he would get them where they needed to be to be successful yeah exactly you have so much confidence in him because you've seen him do it before um and this is and, and Saban said this afterwards but Called him a point guard uh, just because yeah. of the instincts that he has and the poise. He's got a slow heartbeat. And for him to be in, totally in control, not even a, a whiff of uh, maybe he's not going to get this done. I mean, he was in total control and he did. He got it done. I mean, it was it was really fun to watch. And, and it's not like he played poorly for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter turned no. it on. I, he just he was not getting a lot of help out there. His offensive line, uh, it, it, we know there's a lot of new faces up there, so there's going to be some uh, a period of adjustment. Uh, but his receiver, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but it's just the receivers. We're, we're we've been used to Alabama being so spoiled at the position uh, the last few years that seeing Alabama with these younger guys uh, and Jermaine Burton, a, a Georgia transfer, has not. Uh, lived up to maybe there's some of the a reason that, there's a reason the Georgia people weren't crying yeah when Jermaine Burton left like they knew Brock Bowers was going to be kind of the focal point of the passing game anyway and and then Georgia's got some younger receivers like AD Mitchell that they feel like are going to be stars 
So Alabama did not get a Jamison Williams out of the portal this year. No. And, 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 and they, US, they were spoiled. You ask the average SEC fan, they might not be able to name a receiver for Alabama. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's... I want to... I want to see JoJo Earl when he's healthy, just because okay. I love guys named JoJo. I feel like they belong in the SEC. But he he looked like he could be pretty good. And I did think as the as the game went on, Bryce Young sort of established like these are the guys I'm comfortable throwing to, right. and and maybe I'm going to throw to them a little more. And I think like Cameron Latu, the tight end, is one of those guys. Yeah, like he exactly. trusts Cameron Latu. And he's coming back from the injury, so that should, you know, uh, when he gets more healthy and all that. And, I mean, the the leading receiver on the team right now is Jamar Gibbs, the, the running back. So, and that yeah. touchdown that they had uh, in... I kind that? of expected that, though. <laughs> Jamar Gibbs yeah. is really good out of the backfield. Oh, he, he's, he's amazing. I mean, he him and Bijan Robinson in that game, the two running backs, I mean, two of the best pass catchers at the position uh, in college football. That's why both are going to be high draft picks because of what they do outside of the backfield. Uh, but Gibbs uh, on that that touchdown catch that he had, where uh, everything fell apart, uh, but he continued to get work open. He found a soft spot, and I mean that's that, that, I think that's where uh, Bryce Young is at his best. And I, and I wrote about when I wrote about Bryce Young, I, I the best thing I can say about him, he's a problem solver. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He finds solutions yeah, to the problem. Like it, it reminds me of like the final scene of The Martian when Matt Damon saying. You, there's a problem. You figure it out. You find it. You do the math. You figure it. You know, that, that's what it is with Bryce Young. There's a problem. Okay, we'll figure it out. This is what we're gonna do, and that's what he consistently does. The game slows down for him, and I mean that's why with Bryce Young, he's he doesn't have a huge arm. His size makes him an outlier. He, I mean, Kyler Murray was short, but he, he's not small. Russell Wilson short, not small. We've never seen a quarterback like this go early in the draft. A guy that's at his best, going to be 200 pounds. He's below. He's under six foot, and he's going to be right around 195, 200 pounds. That's a complete outlier. And so it'll be fascinating, the the conversations with, because he's not getting any bigger. It, 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 right. The conversations that NFL teams have, especially, let's just say Anthony Richardson plays more like he did against Utah the rest of the way, and he, de- and he right. declares he's in this yeah, draft then, class. Yeah, then he's going to be a big prospect in this year's draft. Uh, two total, two total, Different players. You have Anthony Richardson, who's 6'4", 240, looks like a linebacker, runs like a, you know, he's going to run a 4-3-4-4. And then you've got... He's going to run uh, faster than Bryce Young. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Bryce Young, who is, you know, doesn't look anything like him, but the mental side. You know what you're getting with Bryce Young. And so do you take the upside, the potential of... Man, can this guy be a Cam Newton type of star? Or are you taking the guy that is an outlier size-wise... But you know what? I I I know the mental makeup. I understand yeah. the the poison. It's it, so that's it, it, it's a total juxtaposition of quarterback yeah, he's, prospects. He's Kyler's size, but he's not. But Kyler was so fast, is so fast, and he's also a crazy arm. Yeah, but he's also built too. I mean, Kyler had yeah. some had some heft to him. I mean, seeing him now, especially Kyler, he's 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 thick. I mean, it's it's really fascinating to see how much yeah. he's grown. Uh, just physically, but Bryce Young, that's not, that's not who he is. That's not his body structure. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it really, w- it's something that, you know, we'll be talking about uh, ad nauseum throughout the process and up until draft time, but it'll, it certainly makes for some interesting conversations when you've got, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll bring this up. It, it kind of reminds me of the 2018 draft class when we had so many different types of quarterbacks, you know, the Baker Mayfield, yeah. the Sam Darnold's, the Lamar Jackson, the Josh Allen. Josh Allen. 
Yeah. Josh Rosen was in, the, you know, we had so all this really interesting group of quarterbacks that were all really talented, but they were all really different in, in how they uh, executed, how they won, how they'd be productive. And that's kind of with the potential of this class with a Will Levis and a CJ Stroud, maybe Anthony Richardson, uh, Bryce Young. And so it really makes for some interesting draft discussions as we get closer. Yeah. And so one other guy I want to point out because you know, we're seeing this with the the transfer portal. And, and this guy was a graduate, so he could have transferred and played right away anyway before the rule changed. But I I love the player movement in college football now because I think I feel like it makes the market more efficient. Guys yeah. who were not getting played the way they should play or were not in the scheme they should be in, go find where, what fits them and we're getting to see them maybe in a different light. And the guy that I think this year we're really seeing in a different light is Charlie Jones. He's a receiver at Purdue. He's catching passes from Aiden O'Connell, who's an excellent quarterback. Charlie Jones was a return guy and a receiver at Iowa. He was probably Iowa's best receiver last year. He caught 21 balls at Iowa last year, Dane. And, and, and if, you're, if, if you are listening to the Andy Staple Show, you've heard a lot of angst about Iowa's offense because it's, it's just so historically terrible this year. But Charlie Jones ran screaming from Iowa City to West Lafayette. He has now caught 21 balls through two games. More touchdowns. The entirety of yeah. last year's production in two games. Well, in two seasons at Iowa, he had a total of 34 targets. Okay. This year so far, 28 targets. So, I mean, yes. it's the it's ridiculous to see what – and that's – what does that say about the Iowa offense? I mean, it's I, awful. It's bad. It, it, it's and I mean, there's there's no end in sight because of the uh, the connection between offensive coordinator and head coach. <laughs> you mean the the shared Y chromosome? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that tends to do it. But yeah, right. no, it's it, Brian Ferentz is Kirk Ferentz's son. Uh, Daddy's not firing Sonny right now, so that's that's where they're at. And but it, it is a complete indictment of Iowa's offense, but. For Charlie Jones, he gets to show himself in a new light to NFL scouts. Exactly, and and, and that's and to your point. It is it is one of you know the the transfer portal and being able to transfer without penalty and all that. This is where the positives come in for a player like this who saw himself, you know, like hey, I'm coming back to school, but I'm not getting the notice that I want. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, you know, we're old buddies, and hey, you could use a receiver, and it's it was a late transfer, and it just. It's worked out really well for him. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, and I'm glad you brought it up because I'm actually writing about it this week about transfers Ooh, who have not that. transferred. Yeah, and you didn't know that. You just, uh, I, you had a feeling though. I like it. Uh, transfers who are at new places but are now showing out for scouts. You know, look, talk about uh, Windman at Michigan State, the pass rusher who, mm-hmm. UNLV transfer, who has been outstanding through two weeks. Um, you know, there, there's been a couple of these guys. You know, obviously we yeah, know Osiris about- Osiris Torrance, the guard at Florida from oh, Louisiana. Yeah. Now he would have been he would have been scouted yeah. pretty heavily at Louisiana had he stayed, but- Yeah, and same thing with, um, you know, Jordan Addison, obviously. You know, some of these guys, mm-hmm. even if they hadn't transferred, they'd still be high draft picks. But, you know, Jared Verse uh, going from Albany to oh, yeah. Florida State. I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely a, a, a dozen or more guys that even through two weeks uh, ha- have really shown out at their new school. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting names that NFL teams are keeping an eye on. Well, let's talk about the games we're excited to see. I know there's a quarterback that you want to see this week. 
Will Rogers, who who never met a, a throw he wouldn't make uh, for Mississippi State, he's he's got LSU this week. So uh, this is a he's a, a third year starter in the Mike Leach offense. The last few times we've seen third year starters in Mike Leach offenses, it has gone very well for them. It was Cliff Kingsbury his third year; they were great at Texas Tech. Uh, Graham Harrell's third year was 2008, where he and Michael Crabtree tore up the Big 12, and they went 11 and one in the regular season. Uh, Luke Falk had a good year. His third year as the as the starter at Washington State, and that set up the Gardner Minshew year the the following year. Uh, Will Rogers seems like he is in command of that offense. No, oh, that, that's the perfect way to put it. Uh, I mean, he's been nearly perfect through two games. He, he's completing eighty percent of his throws uh, on, on Saturday against uh, Arizona. Finished with four hundred fifty yards passing, five touchdowns, nine point two yards per attempt. Um, and, and it kind of reminds me when I'm watching him, it kind of reminds me watching Bailey Zappi uh, from Western Kentucky a year ago, who the Patriots took, uh, well, I think, fourth round. So, so I mean, it's, same it's, offense. Zach right, Kitley, exactly. who, was, who was Bailey Zappi's coordinator, is a is a leech disciple. Air, air raid disciple. Exactly. And so it's the same type of offense. It's uh, a, a guy that doesn't have an explosive arm. But the touch and the anticipation are so impressive. He's consistently throwing guys open. Uh, there are many, multiple plays where the ball is out of his hands before the receiver's even out of his break. I mean, he's not even looking, and the ball is where it needs to be. So a guy that has a feel like that, it, it just makes him a really intriguing prospect. He's not, Will Rogers is not in the same conversation as you know the top guys we've been talking about. But as a third-year junior, if he continues at this pace, he'll have a decision to make at the end of the year. Uh, and it'll be interesting as he starts to get into the SEC part of the schedule if he can keep it up. And so uh, LSU, that'll be a, a nice first test for him. I got one. Okay. Miami at Texas A&M. And it's not just to see if Texas A&M's offense will get functional, which yeah. that's there, there's a lot of chatter uh, in, in the world of college football about that. Well, because it, Jimbo's it, a defensive guy, bad so you know, it's... Oh no! Oh no! Wait, Jimbo's the offensive <laughs> play caller. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And the quarterbacks coach. Yeah. yeah. So it is going to be a lot of angst if Miami goes in there and wins. There's two Miami players I'm very excited to watch against Texas A&M. Tyler Van Dyke, their quarterback, because everything changed when he became the quarterback last year, and it's really interesting. I thought he was going to save Manny Diaz's job, and I think losing to Florida State probably was was the only thing that that kept. Manny Diaz from still being the coach there, but now they've got Mario Cristobal. They've, they've brought in, you know, Josh Gaddis, who was, was Michigan's offense coordinator last year to run the offense. They have not been tested at all. And I'm ready to see because they, they played Bethune Cookman and Southern Miss so far. I want to see what he can do against a bunch of NFL talent, which Texas A&M has. The other guy I want to see is their left tackle Zion Nelson. I, I covered Zion Nelson's first game as a starter at Miami True freshman, he was like 265 playing against Florida in week zero. And he was annihilated as a 260-pound offensive tackle trying to play against an SEC team would be annihilated. He has grown up. He's an NFL prospect now. He'll be playing some damn good pass rushers, some young pass rushers who could be really high-end guys in the future. Yeah, Zion Nelson, that's, that's a Mark Richt find because he was under recruited and they yep. uh, they saw the raw tools you know what he could grow oh they love the athleticism but man exactly. he was small at first yeah but they saw the frame and that and that's that's, yeah. that's what good evaluators do right they see the frame and what they could be because zion nelson has 35 inch arms and you know he's a guy that now is close to 315 pounds now i, I still don't think you see the power from him that you want to see and so that's that's the biggest thing light feet smooth mover 
Um, I, I, the length is great. He can cover a lot of ground, but he his inside shoulder is soft. Uh, his hands need to be more controlling when he gets his hands uh, on defenders, especially in the run game. So there's a lot of things that you still want to see from him. And it's kind of like Van Dyke. Van Dyke's played pretty well through two games, but you know, the competition level hasn't necessarily been there. So when they start to play better competition and A&M is, you know, I'm not sure what A&M is after exactly. showing they put together, but you know, they still have guys, they still have dudes on uh, both sides of the ball. And so it, it'll be a more interesting uh, game. How, how about uh college station uh, or uh, college game day, instead of going down to Ag- Aggie land, going to Boone, North Carolina instead. Hell uh, yeah. Well, they know where the, they know where the party is. The, the loss That's is the best keep, party keep school in America. Appalachian state. Is it real? Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I have to ask uh, my buddy, Daniel Jeremiah about that. I, I have yeah. a friend who went to Appalachian State, and he's a little bit older than me. My my first college game that I ever went to in person was Appalachian State at South Carolina when I was, I think I was in first grade, maybe second grade, and my mom took me. And so this friend of mine, uh, we, we found, I found out later, he was a student at Appalachian State at the time. He actually finished that game inside the jail cell <laughs> beneath no. Williams-Rice Stadium, along with Many other Mountaineers fans. These people go hard, so I cannot wait to see them hosting College Game Day. This is—it's going to be incredible. That's awesome. That—that's going to be a lot of fun to see. Uh, it's you know, it's why college football is is so much fun. It is and I heard I've heard about I've heard you talk about this how with the playoff coming, we need to see on campus games, and I'm all for it because there, there's nothing more fun than seeing the fans in their element. Uh, you know, it's it just, it's so much fun. The pageantry of college football. Yeah. Just, it, give me, give me all of that. It's, it's going to be great. Dane, we're going to have all of it. We're going to have college games that we're going to break down and dissect. We're going to have NFL games. We're going to break down and dissect. This show is going to be so much fun this year. I cannot wait. We're going to be every Wednesday right here in the athletic football show feed. If you want to hear more of my nasally drone, Go to the Andy Staples show feed and by all means, click subscribe. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We, we do a lot of live shows on my feed because we like the interaction between the people. Uh, if you want to have uh, some fun and possibly uh, gag in your mouth a little bit, uh, I lost a bet on the Alabama-Texas game with my co-host Ari Wasserman. I said Alabama would cover. He said Alabama would not cover. So now I must uh, drink an entire bottle of Bijan Mustardson. Bijan Mustardson is... Bijan Robinson's Dijon mustard. Bijan Robinson is going to be a first round tailback. Uh, well, I must consume the entire bottle during the show. Oh, so wow. I can put it on bratwurst. I can put it on pretzels, or I can just. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I haven't decided. Wow, it's a lot wow. of bratwurst or pretzels to get this yeah. whole bottle down. I'm not a mustard guy, so that sounds pretty awful to me. But, I love um, mustard. This oh. is this is a callback. We had a bet two years ago, NC State Pitt. The, we found out what Devin Leary was for NC State. He leads him back. I had Pitt. I had to eat mayonnaise. I, mayonnaise to me is the, it is like poison. It is, I call it the devil's pomade. I had to eat this giant hawk and spoon of mayonnaise. And it, as soon as it touched my taste buds, my body rejected it. It was just, yeah. and, and, and it's in slow motion. It's awful. So yeah. that's not going to happen with the mustard. But we're just going to see what my capacity for condiments is. Can I just chug a bottle of mustard? Because 
I've never tried it before, and, and frankly, I'm intrigued, and I do like a nice Dijon mustard. Have you tried this uh, particular? No, I okay. I don't want to because I want it to be a surprise for the show. Uh, if it's if it leans more toward Grey Poupon, we got a problem. But if it leans <laughs> more toward Goldens, yeah. then I think we're going to be all right. Whew, good luck. That's all I got. For you. <laughs> it's it's going to be fun. Dane, it's been a pleasure. Everybody, Thank you, Andy. subscribe, rate, review the Athletic Football Show. Robert Mays has got you tomorrow.